the law of society says there's always got to be a zombie series running. <laughs> oh, you're in trouble now. Why? 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 Welcome back to IMDb is Obsessed. I'm senior producer Alex Logan. I'm joined by TV writer Gina Ippolito. Hey, Gina. Hi, Alex. Hey, so San Diego Comic-Con is next week. We're getting ready for it. And I want to know, what are you most excited about? Oh, I'm actually wearing my T-shirt for the thing that I'm most excited about. It is X-Men 97. I'm really excited to find out more info about that. I just want all the X-Men info. I'm also really excited about Gremlins, Secrets of the Mogwai. Oh, yeah. I just want some real good nostalgia bursts from my Comic-Con this year. I hope all of the cosplayers are back after two years of <laughs> yeah. sort of having time to build their costume after being remote. I can't wait for that 97 <laughs> X-Men animated revival. And I'm my hope against hope is that they are spinning off the Jubilee character into some sort of series. She's always been one of my favorites. I yep. want to see a live action Jubilee and her to get like her actual screen time. Cause I think that's an awesome character. It doesn't get enough, enough love in this, uh, you know, this new Marvel world. Yeah. She always just pops up in the background of some random X-Men movie and they're like, look, we put her in. Yeah. She got sparkle <laughs> hands. That's enough. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll be down at Comic-Con. We'll be covering it with IMDb. Stay tuned to IMDb for all of our coverage. All the interviews we'll be doing on the IMD boat this year. And this is very Comic-Con adjacent because today we're going to be talking zombies as they invade Netflix on the latest live action adaptation of the video game mega franchise, Resident Evil. I know Gina's chomping at the brain bits to discuss that, but I'm going to throw out two niche recommendations that you could say I'm obsessed with. And hey, if you're obsessed with what we do here and want us to keep doing it, please follow the show and leave us a review. All right, here's my two niche recs. First one is The Rehearsal on HBO Max. This is a six-part comedy reality series that starts Friday, July 15th today. Gina, you have a two-word review for this cringe comedy series from Nathan Fielder. Help me. <laughs> I look, I, here's the thing. I love the concept. I love the execution. Awkward people being awkward. I get such sympathy embarrassment for everyone involved that I end up hiding behind my hands and watching what is a brilliant show but that I don't think I have the stomach for. <laughs> I totally get it. This is something, it's like I said, niche recommendations, but this is Nathan Fielder behind this. He produces real situations in combination of a like prank show and just mind game. To try to sum it up simply, and I think what you saw, you watched the first episode of this. Yeah. It's real people rehearsing for important life events with actors hired by Nathan. Those actors try to immerse themselves in the reality of the situation, following around those people and like trying to make it as real as possible for the real person who's rehearsing this life event. I actually had to ask you like 10 times, like, wait, so who's an actor and who's yeah. real? Because I went into it thinking everyone was an actor. And in the pilot, they basically rehearsed this scenario where a guy is on a, a pub trivia team and he's been lying to them about having an MBA and he wants to tell a woman on his team. So he's rehearsing telling her. And the idea is that if he prepares for all situations, all possible outcomes, he will be able to keep his cool. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so this guy's 
an actor? They're all nope. actors. Nick, nope. He's a real Nick, guy, Nick. and they have hired an actor <laughs> to follow the real person that he wants to tell about the lie that he has been keeping from her for all these years. And then they create a fake bar to set that in that is a exact <laughs> replica of a bar in New York that I've been to that's great that serves a oh. free a free pizza with every beer. Yeah, that's it's a oh lovely place. Goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they create the fake version of that complete with the free pizzas with every beer and hire actors to fill it to try to yeah, like you said, <laughs> work out every single possible scenario of how this guy will be reacted to when he delivers this big revelation that he's been lying all these years. Yeah, and the people are a little bit like the real people are a little bit thrown off as I feel like anyone would be if they had a whole conversation with Nathan Fielder, which he starts out by saying, I've rehearsed this. Yes, like, I've rehearsed right. this. Yeah, there are so many layers to it. It's so brilliant. I will eventually go back and watch it. I just need to space those episodes out. Otherwise, my sympathy embarrassment will overwhelm me and swallow me down into a deep, dark hole. I watched a lot of it from behind my own fingers, but like cackling <laughs> with laughter the entire time. I understand the sympathy embarrassment. Think of shows like uh, any of the comedy of Sasha Baron Cohen, Dolly G's mm-hmm. show, Borat, Bruno, Curb Your Enthusiasm. The UK version of The Office, you know, had this in spades constantly. It's that kind of like comedy that puts you in an awkward place. But Nathan Fielder kind of eats all their lunches. Like he is he is the <laughs> most awkward. And the situations that he wraps these people in are so bizarre. Just on that recommendation, go into it. If you like those other styles of comedy, cringe laugh along with me to the rehearsal on HBO Max. It's so, so funny. All right, the second niche recommendation is She Will, which is in theaters. It's a psychological head trip horror premiering Friday, July 15th. That's today. This is the first feature film from writer-director Charlotte Colbert. And what got my attention about this one immediately is that it's presented by executive producer and Italian horror maestro Dario Argento. Um, So yeah, already got that spooky pedigree going into it. And if that name sounds familiar, Dario Argento directed the original Suspiria, Deep Red, Opera, and more Italian horror greats. It stars the incredible Alice Krieg, who's the Borg queen herself on Star Trek First Contact. She's playing this aging actress who's healing from surgery at a remote Scottish retreat, and she's processing this trauma of her career, and she starts to discover that she has mystical powers surrounding her in this countryside cabin. Another Star Trek big bad, I'm trying to keep this as Comic-Con-y as possible, this time from Star Trek Generations, Malcolm McDowell. Oh, Uh, yeah. yeah. He's delightfully chewing scenery as another villain, naturally, this time a devious director who took advantage of the actress when she was just a teenager. What I'm loving about this is Charlotte Colbert, the director, she creates this delightfully eerie world with these ancient woods and these kind of, you know, like I said, head trippy visuals. And it's a story about a woman reclaiming her power, which, you know, it's definitely one that people would benefit from seeing right now. Just some kind of, you know, in the similar vein, if you like psychological horror of Jordan Peele's Us, Julia Docanow's Raw, or Ari Aster's Midsommar, check out She Will. I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah, I didn't know anything about this until you started talking about it. And now I'm like, give it to me, because that's a lot of ingredients that I really love. It's a slow burn as it takes you on this witchy, weird tale, but there's a lot of cool stuff in it. Living in California, I'm already sick of summer, so I'm excited that there are spooky <laughs> offerings. Like, I'm I'm already in October mode. I'm like, give me all the scary, and then I can pretend that it's 
you know, 55 degrees and crisp outside instead of 99 degree Los Angeles heat. All right, let's bring on the spooky offerings and serve up this main course. It's Brains and Resident Evil. So this is based on the video game that was originally released in Japan in 1996 as Biohazard. And there are about nine main games, plus way more remakes and spinoffs, comics, novels, a series of six films starring Mila Jovovich. And then there was also a reboot in 2021. There's four animated films, one animated series, and now this, which is the first live action series adaptation. So the show is developed and is being showrun by Andrew Dabb, who's a longtime Supernatural writer who rose through the ranks to become showrunner of that series in season 12 through 15. John Wick and Fringe star and one of my personal favorites, Lance Reddick, plays Albert Wesker. And he's actually playing a character who's known in the video games, except in the video games, he's sort of a very cartoony man with dark sunglasses who's just a straight up villain. A very evil villain. Exactly, exactly. And in this show, they sort of give him shades of gray. And then Sienna Agadong and Tamara Smart play his daughters, Billy and Jade, in the flashback storyline. So there's two storylines. While Ella Bolinska plays the adult Jade in the post-zombie apocalypse storyline in the far future. So we watched the first four episodes of this, and I really dug it. And I'm definitely going to go back and watch the rest of it when it comes out. It it really hooked me in, and I want to see where the storyline is going. What did you think of this one, Alex? Yeah, totally. I kind of missed the drama with this, or at least the early reviews where people saw a trailer and were mad that it wasn't something that was hewing exactly to the original games, to the things mm-hmm. that you know they knew from those storylines. Like we said, there's Albert Wesker, that's a connection, but this is past a lot of what happened in those video games. This is like a far, you know, post zombie apocalypse future, like we said. Mm-hmm. I really like from going in cold was really pulled into it. You know, it's hard to introduce parallel storylines, one in the future, one in the past sometimes. But these were both compelling. And what I liked about it is that it is the like corporation tinkering with science in a realm where they shouldn't be kind of storyline that we've seen before. But I like the angle of the teenage daughters who get embroiled in it are trying to do something to like, Mm -hmm. you know, make the world a better place and then kind of screw it up, causing a apocalypse possibly. Yeah, like we said, this is sort of well-trod territory. When you have so many games and so many movies and so many adaptations, it's hard to find a fresh new way in. And I really appreciated the fact that I I feel like we've all seen that classic alien storyline of evil corporation ignores all the warning signs because they want money and then disaster happens. And like you said, there are elements of that in this, but it's added to the fact that like teenagers are stupid and they're like, <laughs> and, well, they're, like, they're, they're, uh, you know, idolistic. Let's say that yeah, they're, they're yeah, trying yeah, yeah. to do something right. And maybe they don't have the best ideas of how to do it. Yeah. They don't really think things through. So in this yeah. one, sort of the way in is like, what if these two well-meaning teens are, are going about it in a stupid way that sort of causes a zombie apocalypse? Uh, and it's one of those things that, you know, like vi- video game fans, I think, are never really going to be satisfied because the early chatter online, like you said, was that they were annoyed that it wasn't just an exact replica of the video game. But I think that it's clever of them to say, look, here's a character from the video games. We've changed his story to make him a more complete human being. Yeah. And also they reference the incident at Raccoon City. So it doesn't ignore what happened in the video games. It treats it like, oh, yeah, that actually happened. The The Umbrella Corporation has now cleaned that up. 
and is trying to sort of get on the right side of things. And that's the way into this. And I think it's clever. It really hooked me. And and also Lance Reddick is such a sci-fi horror mainstay. I loved him in Lost. I loved him in Fringe. So I'm going to watch that dude in pretty much anything. Yeah, and I thought maybe he was just a small part of it, but the story that's, you know, in the past, that storyline is very Lance heavy and he's very involved and very cool in all of it that like, you know, he is this scientist who's conflicted. He's obviously a big part of it and has the past in Raccoon City that they can go back to if they want to. I will say, though, there was a very faithful adaptation that came out in November 2021, Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. It told the story of the first two video games and, you know, audiences didn't show up for that. Caius Scodelario was Claire Redfield. Hannah John Common was Jill Valentine. Robbie Amell is Chris Redfield and Tom Hopper from the Umbrella Academy was Albert Wesker. They did the Resident Evil 1 and 2 storyline, you know, kind of a mashup. It wasn't exactly the video game, but if people want to play that video game and see that storyline, they can play that video game and see that storyline. <laughs> I think it's yeah. cool that Andrew Dab has done this new storyline that takes everything we know about Resident Evil and takes it into another chapter. Obviously, once they've opened Pandora's box and created this, you know, zombie virus that unleashes mm -hmm. itself in waves, like it's going to get worse and worse. There's going to be stages to it. And, you know, it draws parallels to what we're going through in the real world of a pandemic and COVID and, you know, directly references it as well. I think there's yeah. what Lance Reddick, Albert Wesker has a line about it, right? Yeah. When he's talking about the disease, you know, he says it's not like COVID, and it's a very quick line, but it does sort of it does sort of hammer home this like, oh, God, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm in this. It's bringing me into the real world. Raccoon City, here I come, baby. Yeah, it's just it's a new spin on it. And it's something that, like, like we said, you know, it takes into events of the real world. It updates it in a cool way. And I think kind of centers it in a new spin that we haven't exactly seen. And, you know, if you want to play the video game and get the exact storyline, that's still there for you as well. I think there's that kind of idea of, you know, the I saw people when Uncharted was coming out, that they wanted something that was exactly identical to those game storylines. And they did yeah. recreate the jumping on the boxes behind the plane on the cargo net sequence from the game as faithfully as possible. And the whole time I was watching it, I was just thinking, man, I would love to be playing this instead. You know, people do this with books too. But when you think of successful adaptations, like something like The Walking Dead, which departs from the comics pretty quickly, people love that for what it is. And they get over the whole like, wow, well, I wish it was more like this really quickly. And I think I think you will too with Resident Evil. I think if, if people watch it and give it a shot and sort of look at it as a companion piece to the video games... I think they'll be really into it. You know, yeah. we, we get a lot of content to watch, which we watch for all of you every week. And this was one <laughs> where like, you know, they we were given the first four episodes. And at the end of that fourth episode, I was like, man, now I got to wait to watch the yeah. rest of it. Like I was legitimately bummed because I wanted to see what happened. They leave a lot of, you know, they, they do a good job of sort of doling out this mystery of how we get from the flashback world to this current sort of dystopian world. And I really can't wait to binge the rest of it once it drops. Yeah. And, you know, the effects on those episodes are also really good. And it looks like, you know, they spent the money and the time to make something that looks like it could be on the bigger screen. Like I thought the giant mm -hmm. caterpillar monster in an early episode was pretty dope. Mm -hmm. And I really liked, and this is, you know, a callback to those first and second games. I think through a lot of the series, the the lickers, I think they're called the like yeah. disgusting tongue monsters who creep around and, you know, can't see you, but uh, hunt by sound and then yeah, wrap you up in a giant tongue. 
those were terrifying yeah. as I remember them playing on, you know, PlayStation on the second game. Yeah. And again, like if things like Resident Evil, things like She Will, you know, Stranger Things, if these are all coming yeah. out in June and July, I can't wait to see what October holds. My yeah. favorite month, Halloween, my favorite, my favorite holiday. And this is all just like really getting me amped for for all the like nerdy horror goodness that is to come. It's what is coming this uh, October is the goodbye to Walking Dead. It's going to be the final episodes oh. of the final season. They are, of course, spinning it off into Tales of the Walking Dead, which mm -hmm. are kind of like an anthology series that gives backgrounds, you know, backstories of different characters like Alpha, the Whisperer head that, you know, uh, <laughs> meets a swift end in the series. <laughs> and they're also working on that Daryl series that was supposed to be mm -hmm. Daryl and Carol is mm -hmm. now just a Daryl. There's also the supposedly a Rick movie, um, a Negan yeah. series. Yeah, there's all these other it's, things coming out. But once Walking Dead goes away, does that leave some room for Resident Evil to like rise in the ranks and become the new zombie show? The law of society says there's always got to be a zombie series running. I mean, ever since really 1996, when Resident Evil became such a breakout hit video game, a lot of people trace the rise of zombie love in the pop culture back to Resident Evil's rise as well, because it became mm -hmm. such a landmark series on the PlayStation. I'm in. Give me all your zombie series. I will watch <laughs> them all. Absolutely. Well, to help you keep track of everything we recommended and referenced in today's episode, check out the show notes for an IMDb list with all the movies and shows we name dropped. And stay tuned to IMDb in general, because we're going to be having a lot of that Comic-Con interviews with The Walking Dead, hopefully, and some of those mm. other titles coming up next week. So uh, stay tuned for all that. Then if you find yourself with friends or family trying to figure out what to watch next, go to the IMDb What to Watch app on Fire TV. You can play quick games that will help your group decide what to watch instead of just scrolling streaming services forever. And whatever you choose to watch, we want to hear about it. So tweet at IMDb using the hashtag IMDb is obsessed, or you can always email us at obsessedpodcast at imdb.com. And remember to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Gina. Well, I guess I'll see you at Comic-Con. Look for me. I'll be wearing my yellow trench coat and Jubilee sparkle hands. Can't wait. <laughs> see you then. <laughs>